Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, everybody. Ah, oh, it's been a... They've used me this weekend. Wow. It's been incredible. We had an amazing time. Who of you attended the discipleship training this weekend? Yeah, I really believe and uh, that God is, God is raising up an army to impact the world. Change the world around us. I bring you greetings from your family in South Africa and particularly the place where we live, Twani, a capital city, Pretoria. Um, we love you guys. We really believe that God has placed this church here for a significant purpose. Um, I'm not just married, I'm happily married like this man to Renee. I've got two boys. One is five years old and the other one is 13 years old, Luca and Jesse. And uh, yeah, we're just a family who enjoys, our, we value our own families. It's many times in ministry, we can be so busy with ministry that you actually neglect your families. We don't do that. We believe our children should worship Jesus with us. And it's been a great weekend talking about, you know, what I believe one of the greatest mysteries that's been missing in the church world. And we use the word discipleship. And maybe people have heard the word discipleship over the years because when Jesus used the word, go make disciples. But it's sad how many people don't really understand what it really means. And our goal is to help people understand what it means. Because the power of discipleship ultimately is the power of the church. For so many times, so, so many years, people are used to church all over the world. And especially been in Africa, different places. They make so much of the pulpit and the man behind the pulpit and everything is directed this way and we hope people follow this way and we hope everybody lifts this way up. I don't see that in Jesus' ministry. I don't. I follow Jesus. I don't follow people. I see Jesus lift up the world. I see Jesus die to the world. And then that same Jesus commanded us, says, this is the way we build the church. The power of the church it's not primarily the pulpit. The part of the church is the people behind the pulpit. On the other side, every member can make a difference. We can draw people to this place and already this place is packed, so we can't get more people in. But if you go out this week and every one of you are a disciple of Jesus, which means you are becoming more like Jesus, you taste, you smell, you think, you act like Jesus, you're going to start to affect people around you without them coming to a Sunday worship service. You can start to walk with those people and help them in your own way to help them to come to know Jesus. Lay foundations and make them strong. That's why that's the part of the church. It's much stronger than one person versus 300. 300 people going out and we collaboratively come together to celebrate what God is actually doing during the week. I just told you about my two children, and you will wonder why it's the one five and the one is 13. Well, we've battled to have normal, you know, we battled to have children. The first one we battled for four years. I've got four brothers, one sister. They all just have children. They look at their wives and they fall pregnant. <laughs> hey, I had to do much more than look, much more than just works. It's faith and everything together. And you know what? We, and so the first one came, and then we battled for another seven years. I know what it is to struggle to have children and want to have children. I know what it is to keep on by faith trusting God for children. And you know in that whole 11 years journey, not one day 
did we ever think it's normal not to have children? I'm not saying you can change that. I'm just saying for us as a couple, it was never normal. We felt like, Lord, what you designed us, the way you made us, is that we should bear children. And by God's grace, God gave me a promise, and God fulfilled that promise, and we've got two children today. But sad when you look at the church world, we come to Christianity, and you get born again into God, we think it's so normal for Christians never to have spiritual babies. You could be a Christian your whole life, come to church, do all the Christian things, but you yourself never ever reach your neighbor, never reach people around you, your colleagues, and it's normal not to bear fruit. And the reason why the church gets all kinds of shaky things and doom and everything, and we make it weird, and we want to have the greater manifestations and goosebump feelings in the church, is because when we don't bear fruit and have the satisfaction of fruitfulness, we always want to hype up the gathering. It's the opposite of what Jesus did. He released them. He sent them out and he packed the world. See, friends, the power of the discipleship not only changes your life, it changes the world's life around us. We went to Pretoria by God's grace in 2007, landed there, end of the year. 2008, we started. And I said to the guys, we're not going to start a worship service till we certain amount of people. But what we are going to do is daily, every energy, every hour we have, we're going to reach lost people. March, we were 86 people meeting in my house. You think, this is packed. <laughs> my house was packed. And then we had the final venue. But we kept on making disciples. Yes, we started to do services later on. But the people who came to the service had a culture that they reached out during the week. And those we reached, we bring together. And that's what we kept on doing over the last 12 years. We exist now for 12 years. And I've seen God's grace, normal people, normal moms, dads, lawyers, engineers, normal business people going out and they affect the world. And now we have 580 small groups all over the city, of which 80-90% of them is not staff. It's normal people like you. So what I'm teaching you now, what I'm sharing with you now, it's not a dream, it's an experience. I know that normal people, once we allow you to obey God, the part of the church is when you start to obey Jesus. When you start to get out in your normal capacity. I mean, you work there and you start to work people around you. I mean, you have business, you connect with people, but you are an agent of Jesus in your work capacity at all times. I believe God gives us the grace to be able to do that so that you can affect the world. We as a family, global family, we're busy doing a series, and you're concluding the series today on amazing grace, the concept of grace. What an incredible concept. The concept of grace is the defining theological concept that sets people apart from being religious versus relationship. It is the theme that changed Martin Luther's, the David's. You can go through the Bible. It's the theme that is actually the essence that sparked revival was grace, the understanding of grace. You see, when we look at grace, many people look at grace, and if the lack of understanding of grace allows people to keep on living in bondage and despair, the misuse of grace make people ungrateful and reluctant and very familiar with God. It's the proper understanding grace that releases you into a freedom and a life of fruitfulness. 
See, grace is free. It's free. I bought this phone. Paid for it. It wasn't free. Paid for it. Grace is free. But I want you to understand what this means when we say it's free. Because many people major on the concept of free, but they don't explain to people the free grace, where it came from. No, but if I walk up to you and I give you a Ferrari, 4.5 million rand Ferrari, you would appreciate it. You would value it. But you didn't pay for it, it's free. It would be sad if you take that Ferrari and the next moment you just drive it through the bushes and you just start to go on hunting trips with it <laughs> and you start to drive through the dust and, and you just mess it up and I come to you and say, what happened? In two months you've just, look at the car. No, I got it for free. Some of you think that's silly. You've taken a valuable thing and you've just messed it up. It means he had no value on the gift that was given to him. Although it's free, it's not cheap. Somebody paid for it. Somebody went through the expense of making this possible and available. See, many teachers, and especially when you get on, onto Google's, you know, web, and you Google podcasts, and you can listen to so many different preachers that says, grace is a license to continue the way you are because you are unconditionally just loved, and you can just continue as you are, which is not biblical grace. Biblical grace is not a continual living in sin. And keep on battling with the things. And there is no solution to overcome it. You just justify it. It's not the essence of saying sorry, sorry. But biblical grace brings me to the place where I say no. No more going to do that. You walk into this bar. And the people are living ungodly as you cannot even describe. And you say to yourself, it's only grace that they're still alive. It's true. You walk into the same bar. Two years later, and the people in this bar are living squeaky clean. There's not even a smell of sin. They're living almost as if Jesus himself has appeared to them, and they have been radically, supernaturally transformed. And you say to yourself, that is humanly not possible. But you see it in front of your eyes. And you say to yourself, there must be a God who did something here, but because man cannot do this. Which is the best picture of grace? The one where we continue and testing and making God's grace cheap or this place where we start to realize this grace was not just given to us to be saved. This grace was given us so that you and I, day by day, can become squeaky clean. Where we can be transformed. There's nothing you battle with today. Nothing that you cannot overcome. There's not one sin. There's not one failure. There's not one hurt. There's not one pain of the past. There's no rejection of the past. There's nothing, nothing that you face, that you've had in the past, that you cannot overcome. How can I say that? Let's go to the Bible. See, we've been speaking about grace, and I'm going to just capture as we conclude grace. We spoke about abundant grace. Abundant grace means there is more than enough you will not be able to actually, you know, um, run out of resource here. There's more than enough so that you and I can walk in a transformed relationship with Jesus. We spoke about justification. Justifying grace. Justifying grace is this. Just as 
if I have never sinned. Wow. Give me one religion on the face of the earth that can do that. You see, all religions on the earth, doesn't matter what you want to call it, it's always what man must do for God and you're never enough. Whom of you feel you're always falling short? You just can't keep up with this thing you need to do. That's religion. Christianity is different than this. It's not what man must do for God. It's what God did for man. Because he knew man can do nothing unless he helps him. Justification means just as if I've never sinned. I, when Luca was born and Jesse was born, both of them are my sons. The moment they were born, they were immature. They did stuff in their nappies I had to clean. I mean, they, they, I mean, all the mess and all the stuff and all the immaturities and all the nightless sleeps. I mean, you know, sleepless nights and nightless sleep, sleepless nights. Yeah, that's when you don't sleep well. <laughs> and uh, all of mess up and all of that didn't change that they were my children. Status was fixed, although there was weakness. They were my children. See, many people get confused as a born-again believer. You go through realities of things you face in battle. Am I a child of God? When you've given your life to God and there is evidence of the Spirit of God in your life, you have been transitioned from belonging to the enemy. You now belong to God. You are God's child. It settles your identity. But you say, Phil, I still battle stuff. Yes, you have the identity in Christ. That's your status. But current reality still need to change. Therefore, God says, it's not just justifying grace. He gives us sanctifying grace, which means He makes us holy. He makes us holy. He not only saves us and puts us in heaven, and the heavenly seat, and He says, you are my child. He also continues, says, as my child, let me raise you. Let me change you. Let me take the stuff out of her soul. Let me show who I am. I made you in my image. I know exactly what you're supposed to be. I'm going to make you in character and holiness just like me. You need to follow me. Sad thing, how many Christians get born again, but they never continue on to the sanctification process where they become stronger. That's why people say, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be one. See, friends, we cannot, in the name of grace, justify that we continue the way we lived. It changes us. And when it changes, it changes our society. And we spoke about suffering grace. Paul talks about this thorn in my flesh. And we don't like that kind of chapter. You know, this thorn in my flesh. Many times our bad times is actually God times. Now that does not mean God is the instigator of evil. Never. But nothing the enemy ever does puts God out of control. He's on the throne. I checked this morning. He's still there. He's in control at all times. He is sovereign. He's almighty. We use those words. What does it mean? It means he's always in charge. And he can, if Satan does not get permission, Satan can do nothing. He is no authority. That means when God thought, Satan thought, let me kill Jesus. What a plan, man. Let's kill Jesus. Biggest mistake of his life. A bad moment saved all of us. Wow. Let me get into your life and I'm going to be a thorn in your flesh. And that thorn actually pins you down and suddenly there's a humility that comes and God uses that hardship and He changes you and you start to look more like Jesus. How can it be wrong? See, we're not a product of what happens to us. You're the product of how you process what happens to you. If you process with God, you become better. If you process without God, you become bitter. See, bad theology means 
anything that anybody teaches you. When things happen and you don't like it, you leave God. Let me give you an example. Prosperity preaching. You just put money in, throw money in, and you've tried that, and the preacher says, you just throw money, throw money, usually to them. Interesting. And then you throw the money, 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 and then God's going to give you back, and you say, I've given my life savings and nothing came back, and now I want to leave God. Bad theology. You rub God's tummy, he pops out money. As if he's our genie. Bad theology. Here's the right theology. God is God. He is a prosperous God, but He's also a teacher. He's also a judge. He's also a merciful God. He's a gracious God. He's an eternal God. He's an almighty God. You see, there's so many names of God, but here's the problem with many people do. They take the names of God like a puzzle, and they choose, I like the love God, but I don't like the judge God. I like this God. I don't like that God. And you take the God, you puzzle it out, and you say, I'm choosing these five, six, seven, eight, nine. Let's add ten. Oh, great. That's my God, but this is not the God I want to serve. And you reform God, which makes you God, because you're the creator, which means you live in idolatry. That's why Christianity is not working for you. You don't do that. You submit to God, full stop. Moses, I want you to go free the people from, free the people, you know, go. And he says, what do I say to Pharaoh? Who's sending me? God could have said, Almighty God is sending you. The protector, use the right name now. The provider, the protector, the healer. He says, tell them I am sent you. I am who? I am full stop. You don't prescribe. You don't dictate. You don't define me. I define myself. I do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. You serve me. The greatest discovery any human being on the face of the earth. And that's why it's so difficult because of true Christianity in all religion. Because true Christianity is first confrontational before it brings peace. It first divides before it unites. It brings a difference between a lie and a truth. And you have to you humble yourself if you want to embrace the truth or the lie. Otherwise, your life will never change. True Christianity brings every human being to this key decision that changes your life forever. The day you realize you are not God, you will serve God. See, grace gives us insight into this incredible creator. That you and I can walk with him, but it costs you and I to humble ourselves. 1 Peter 2 verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. But his, by his wounds you have been healed. So for you were straying like sheep, but now that have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. We asked ourselves, how is it possible? So here's the very reason why it is possible that you and I can overcome. What is the highest form of human sickness? Human limitation. The highest form. It's not even pain in your body. It's death. It's final. God did not just only, his body was bruised and broken in pieces. He bore our sin upon. I mean, not only that happened. He came to the point of death on a cross. And it didn't stop there. If it was only death, you and I have no hope. Because how will we conquer if Jesus is dead? But here's the difference. 
There is no religion on the face of the earth where the God of that religion died for the people's sins and released the power that they can become free. No religion except Christianity. Jesus not only died, He was raised from the dead and there's historical proof that He was raised. Not just biblical proof. And He was raised from the dead. Why? To give you and me the hope that no matter what you battle, no matter what happened to you, no matter what the world done to you and people done to you, Jesus can set you free. Jesus can heal you. Jesus can save you. There is a hope in God that transcends earthly limitations. That's the hope we live with. That's the way we do business. That's the way we do family. That's the way we do and we go into the world. It's not politics and things around us. It is God our hope. The Bible says He bore our sins. He died for our sins. Now He's asking an exchange. Any relationship, marriage is an exchange. A relationship has an exchange. I died for your sin. Now I want you to die to the sin. I want you to say, Lord, I want to give this up. I want to honor you with my life. And I want to make myself. You know what is the core of sin? What is at the, at the middle, at the driving force of sin? I'm going to make it simple. All of you spell with me. S-I-N. means sin. S-I-N. I am in the middle of all sin. The more you lift yourself up, the more you'll battle a sin. The more you want to be the man of the hour, the more you'll battle a sin. The more you want to be the celebrity, you'll battle a sin. The more you want to be worshipped, that you'll battle a sin. Why? Because when I die, sin stops. When I is exalted, sin is magnified. Don't be, uh, try to be somebody. Die. Dead people don't get offended. Dead people don't get hurt. Dead people don't hurt other people. They're dead. If you want to be my disciple... Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Die to yourself. Jesus said, I want you to die to yourself. Why? Not that you will be a dead person. Because you'll be the most alive available. Because Christ in me, the hope of glory. There's a new life that spreads from your loins that you start to see in people's lives. And then he says, we have a shepherd. You have a pastor. He is available 24-7. And it's not Christopher. It's not the man of God. It's not. It is Jesus himself. He is the shepherd of your soul. Open up your soul. He knows your stuff. Just humble yourself. Say, Lord, I'm going to walk with you for the rest of my life, not just this Sunday morning. I'm going to help you this morning because you're going to walk out here and you can actually run home and say, God, man, the veil has been broken. Open up so I can walk in relation with you daily. Everything was initiated by God first so that you can have a relation with Him. Colossians 3 verse 10, uh, 1 and 2, 10 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, if you are born again, here's the attitude of a born again believer, then seek the things above. Friends, you can be born again believer, but you think the earthly things all the time. There's nothing wrong. We should be in, in business and all around the media and sport, whatever you're doing. We should be involved with people because we're on earth still. But we should not be minded the whole time about those things. We should be mindful of Christ and His things. So the Christ formed in us, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things on earth that are on earth. For you have died. You have died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, there's your life, it's Christ, appears, then we will also appear with Him in glory. Now He says, 
put to death. You know how you put to death? You use every opportunity where self wants to come up and you say, self, die. Lord, oh man. You know what? I've got a five-year-old. He's just got the ability to show me where I'm not dead yet. Oh, Phil, Lord, I got irritated again. Uh, I mean, you know, and then you kind of, wow, you can irritate children and it's their problem. But actually God uses people and things around you to show you with a loving truth. Where are you not yet like Jesus? So we can say, Lord, I want to be like you. I've just got so much work more left. And luckily I don't have to perform. I just need to continue with the same faith that saved me. It's the same faith that sanctifies me. I just need to recognize it and not give it a blind eye. I need to acknowledge it because God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And he goes on, he's talking about sexual immorality and impurity and passions, evil desires, covetousness and idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. But Jesus was born, He, he was nailed to the cross, taking the wrath. Why was Jesus killed in, in such a harsh way, crucified? Because the anger of God against sin that He needed to penalize took out on his son so that you and I can be exempt. It was not cheap. It was him helping us. And then he goes on and says, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander. <coughs> Sorry. He says, put them away. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices. He says, do not lie to one another. Why is he saying that? He's saying because the moment there's the major difference between a life of victory and a life of bondage is just simple. It's a line of truth. Whatever you believe, that is the truth, and you believe it, you will see the freedom in your life. Whenever you find there's bondage in your life, you understand, you need to understand the driver behind bondage is a lie. It's as really as simple as that. God came. Now here's the thing, encouraging truth. Hey Amen. That was a great sermon. Oh, he led worship. Well, that's good because we encourage one another. But as I get off the stage and say, You preached well, or you led worship well, and somebody comes, you know what? The way you spoke to that guy wasn't that good. Oh no, 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 I'm, I'm a preacher. You can't speak to me. Really? If you get behind the pulpit, you can't take input, you've lost your message. Humility is never an option. Humility means we embrace the truth above our truth. Why must I give my tithes and offerings? Well, I can tell you all the reasons, but the first reason is God says you must. Oh, but that's Old Testament. Really? So is creation. Wow, great argument. You believe in creation, but not. See, you're picky. You're choosing God. You're forming your own religion and you wonder, oh, Christianity's not working. That's not Christianity. It's idolatry. Christianity is the full Bible with no exception. And as we allow that, we see God doing in our lives. You see, this Jesus comes in and says, put off this old self. Whom of you dressed yourself this morning? I'm glad you did. Okay? You dress yourself. The Bible says in the mornings when you wake up, dress yourself. Put on and put off. Take off the old. Take off. Find friends who love you enough to tell you the truth. Who will not lie to you. I mean, I've seen people. I had a friend at school, and then later on in life, he, I mean, he, he got saved at school, and his dad literally didn't like this because we were kind of a sect. You know, we believe really in Jesus, and I like the traditional way. And then ultimately, this friend of mine, Baxlin, 
and got on campus and went into all kinds of ungodly lifestyle. And one day I got to a place and I said, I love you. I want to be a friend for life. But I cannot associate with your lifestyle. I don't want to reject you. I want to be your friend. But if you're going to keep on serving Jesus, you are rejecting our friendship. If you reject Jesus, you reject me. And he was angry at me. He drove away and two months later he called me and says, you know what? You are the only friend who speaks to me the truth. I don't want to lose you. I said, then you need to repent and come back to Jesus. I did his wedding later on. The sad thing is when we don't disciple people strong, their foundations, then they waver away. But I want to encourage you. See, this Jesus who comes into our lives, he brings truth. And truth not just that encourages us, which is good, but also truth that challenges us. If you have nobody who speaks to you real truth that helps you to change, then you need to get good friends in your life. People who do, but you need to be open to it. You see, because if we're not open and you keep on batting people, they're going to stop bowling. They're going to stop speaking. When you silence the voice of grace, you silence your own growth. God calls us into place. Men, find men in your life. Women, find women in your life and allow them to come into your life and speak. And it's not a judge. It's 90% of the time it's encouraging walk with one another. But it's that sincerity where we journey with one another and we're honest. Because that's how you put on and put off. And it's practices. I have put on the new self. Here's the beauty. Which is being. Being. What does it mean being? Yes, I got saved and I was saved. The day I gave my life to Jesus, I was born again. But since the day I gave my life to Jesus, I am being. It's a process. I am being created and reformed and transformed into the knowledge of the image of my Creator. The greatest goal and desire and the greatest privilege you and I have. No matter your background, no matter what your teacher said, no matter what society said, you have the opportunity and the invitation to become like Jesus. There's no greater joy more than any spirit moment, more than any deal you sign, more than even the fact that we come together is that you and I have the privilege to become like Jesus in character and holiness. It's invitational. God's grace invites us into a lifelong becoming relationship that we can become like Him. The last verse is Hebrews 4 verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us, our weaknesses. Why? Because he himself was tempted. He was fully man, came to earth, and he experienced everything, but yet he did not sin. So he knows exactly what you go through. Rejection? Go read. He's been pretty rejected. You can go and look. Pain? He's gone through it. Sickness? He's gone through it. Every single thing. He was tempted in every aspect, but yet he did not sin. You know, here's the sad thing. If he did sin, you know, I have no hope. But yet he did not sin. And therefore he will look unto him. There's no other religion on the face of the earth where they can say, whoever they worship have not sinned. Muhammad, he sinned. Name them. Anyone, name them. Jesus never sinned. Even the Quran says Jesus never sinned. That's why he has the power to help you to overcome sin. It's not your power. It's not your guilt trips and feeling guilty. You can't save yourself. 
you come to the one who can save you and say, come help me. And that's what happens. He says, and he invites us into this relationship. And then he says, buddy, one who in every respect has been tempted in every way, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence run near to him, to the throne room of grace. We run to him that we can receive mercy and grace. When I get home today, I promise you when I arrive there, my five-year-old is going to stand at the door. And when he sees me, he's going to run out and jump into my arms. It would be sad if I get home and my son sees me and the next moment he goes, you'll think there's abuse in our home because when the son sees me, he runs away. Why do you run away from God? Don't reflect earthly limitations and pain you've gone through onto the heavenly holy father. He's a loving father. He wants you to run to his arms with boldness. And Oh, but I'm dirty. Why do you want to be clean before you shower? Go to the mercy room of grace. He will shower you right there. He has the ability to clean you, heal you, run to him. With confidence you can run to him. Say, God, you're my God. Come in your immature, sinful nature. He can change that. He's calling you. He's inviting you into a close relationship. Let me conclude with this. Friends, God is calling each one of us here. God's calling you. God's calling me. He's inviting you. He took the first step. He died so that you can be saved. He took the next step. He came and became to earth and he lived the life that we should live. And he showed us what it is not just to get saved, but we live holy without sin. You see, people as Christians many times think, oh, when you become a Christian, you become this boring person. Oh, my friends, you know, they enjoy life. They have parties and, they da, 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 and all the things. And you think, really? Let me explain to you the biblical truth. The whole earth was created by our God. And we've been created to rule with God on the earth. We are stewards of God on this earth. We are not the tail, we're the head. That's what the Bible says. It says we can do everything and anything on earth and enjoy everything on earth. Don't sin. Only one thing. Don't sin. It's not, can only do one thing, serve God, and the others do all the things. No, they try to find the satisfaction that you have because you have God. We need to show people a life we live, full life we live, just don't sin. That's all. And God is calling us into this attractive life that the world out there will see that we are alive. We've been saved by the creator of the universe. We are not in a place where we, your circumstances does not define your salvation. The joy of the Lord is your heart is not in your circumstances. It's God in us, the hope of glory. And then as we journey, God changes our circumstances. He changes things around us. But it's that holy, as we become more like Him, we start to see more like Him, act more like Him. Wherever you're sitting this morning, God is inviting you to this relationship. And the essence of it is how we communicate with Him. That's through prayer. How He communicates to you is reading your Bible. Friends, without prayer and Bible, you'll never have a holy relationship with God. You'll never understand who God is. It's not a guilt trip that you need to have a quiet time in the morning. No, it's an invitation into a relationship with God on a daily basis. Continual. How's your life with God? What in your past do you need the mercies of God today, the grace of God? I want to pray for you this morning. If you're sitting here this morning and you say, but I'm not sure that I'm born again. How do you know that? Even as we sang, you're disconnected. You hear people make lots of noises here. But it's almost like you don't get it. Your spirit is dead. You hear my voice this morning. God is inviting you into a relationship by humbling yourself. Lord, I need you into my life. 
If you're born again today and you know that you have a relationship with God, but you've almost justified the lifestyle you live, and suddenly you realize, wow, I don't have to live like that. I can be free. I'm going to pray for you this morning. Let's close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we love you. You're amazing. You are just so gracious. You paid the price way beyond what we can imagine. Your own son dying on a cross. And you gave us that life of free so that we can die to ourselves and live for you. Come, Lord Jesus, come. If you're sitting here this morning and you're not sure that your life is right with God, you're feeling dead on the inside, you hear the message and you kind of feel like, yeah, that makes sense, but on the inside, something is resisting that. God is inviting you to that. That resistance will break. But you're going to have to humble yourself. Lord, I need you. I'm not born again. I'm not in right standing with you. If you're sitting this morning, you're in right standing with God. I'm going to ask you just to raise your hands. I want to pray with you. Just raise your hand as you, where you sit. And you know you need to make right with God today. See that hand. Anybody else? Don't, wait, don't wait, wait, miss this moment. I see these hands. Anybody else? It's, you think by raising your hand? No. It's by you acknowledging that God comes to your life. And that's that humble moment, humiliating yourself. Say, Lord, I need you. I'm not okay by myself. Anybody else before I pray? See this hand here. See this hand here. Can I ask you, those of you who raise your hand, I don't want to embarrass you, but we want to walk with you. It's like family. Would you please stand up where you are? Just stand up where you are. I'm going to ask that some of the leader ladies, would you go and stand next to them and men, wherever. I'm going to ask you to stand and you say, it's not to embarrass you, it's really to bring you into family. Anybody else? Please come and stand. Some of the leaders can come and stand with them so we can take their numbers and walk with them afterwards. So make sure that So let's just pray. Can I ask you, those you're standing, would you pray this prayer with me now? Lord Jesus, I see a different picture of you this morning. You don't judge me. You took the judgment upon yourself and you died for me. And I'm so thankful for your life that you gave. I give my life back to you now. I want to be your child. Come into my life. Forgive me of my disobedience, my distant life from you. I want to come close to you. Come into my heart today. I'm embracing you as my Lord and Savior. And from this day on, I'm going to love you, obey you, and follow you. Help me. I need you. Lord, I thank you for the greatest miracle available to mankind. Is the moment of miracle salvation, a supernatural rebirth happening in every person's life right now. And I pray, God, as the tears flow and their hearts are touched, that doubt now they will feel the warmth of the Holy Spirit entering their bodies and they will never be the same again. And the sins of the past, Lord, the pains of the past, Lord God, you're bringing a change in their lives, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you do a radical thing in people's hearts this morning, God, and that they will never, ever be the same again. We thank you for this, Jesus. We thank you for their lives. And we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for that people. And my sister, you know what? When you stood up, 
I felt in my spirit, I saw you the whole time. There was something in your life in your life that is lightening up. There's, there's almost like your eyes were opening up. And God's going to raise you up and you're going to be a radical preacher. I'm not saying you're going to be speaking from here. You're going to speak to people and you're going to start to testify about things that are happening in your life. Your past is not going to be your future. God's wiping out you, but He's going to change things. And a few radical things will happen even this week. And you're going to see how God's going to start to raise you up to become a radical woman for God. I believe every one of you standing, something's happened in your spirit. And now walk with these people, let them journey with you and disciple you so you can become strong. I want to pray for those of you, you know you're born again, but you know, Lord, maybe I've justified living in compromise. Or maybe I've never stood or understood that I can live victorious. And there's specific areas in your life. It may be pain, healing, sin. doesn't matter. We're not going to judge each other. I'm just going to ask you, would you be humble enough to say, Lord, I need you to help me. I need to change. And I'm embracing a lifestyle of changing. I want to become more like you. I want you to stand up. I want to pray for you. Just quickly stand up. Where you, As I was speaking, you know the Spirit of God was speaking to your heart. And now it's humility. So, Lord, here I am. I don't care what people say. People don't look. I'm going to come to you. When Peter got out of the boat, everyone looked at him. But Peter experienced something that nobody else experienced. Because he stepped out of the boat. When you stand up, I want to pray for you. Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus for everybody standing. That you touch their hearts in such a way that their lives will never be the same again. Thank you for victory that's possible because of Jesus' death. I want you to pray this prayer, Lord Jesus. Forgive me for my sin, my unbelief. In my disobedience. I am your child. And I know that you've started something in me. You will complete it. My hope is in you, not in my works. I ask you now in the name of Jesus, come change me. Make me more like you. I'm excited to walk with you. Awaken my time with you. Awaken my Bible reading. Awaken my prayer life as I journey with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.